the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leaders. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. There we go. I couldn't hear you. Maybe I could. But the music was... All the applause was so loudly Welcome, everyone. Thanks for being with us. This is The Bible Live in a brand new year, 2022. Now, my kids have been... I don't get it. My kids, Sean and Tracy, have been talking over and over again about the idea. Somehow it's grown important to you guys to know that when we say uh, yes, a birthday <laughs> that we've completed. Well, this was such a this is such a revelation. It was my older brother that uh-huh. made sure it was um, my birthday. Who's somebody's birthday recently? And he just said, "I just want to remind everybody. This doesn't mean that you are going into your twenty seventh year. This means you have completed twenty seven years and you're going into your twenty eighth. Uh-huh. And so." I was, and that I was a new thought to you. That, that was, was a, revolutionary. <laughs> yes. I guess when you're younger, you know, well, okay, that's great. Oh, woohoo, you know, another. But as you get older, that, that becomes a little bit more. So when you when you turn eight, let's say, that means in a, before you thought that meant, okay, I started my eighth year. Right, you're going into your eighth year. But and no, I it, it means you've you completed, completed eight, eight years. years. You're into your ninth year. Just already. like when you're a baby and you turn one, you have completed one year. So Betty White was 99. Working on her 100th year. So when she she was was going to turn 100, she would have... By the way, folks may not know, Betty White, the famous actress Mm -hmm. or well-known actress, um, passed away this past week or Uh, recently, I guess. I think it was on New Year's Eve, actually. Mm -hmm. Uh Mm -hmm. And so she was only 10 days away, 10 days or so, a couple of weeks away from her 100th... Birthday. From completing her 100th year. completing her 100th years. So for all... For all purposes, she she actually had completed a hundred years. Yes, yes, just about. Just almost. What I thought was right on her for her date though, because she didn't go into the new year. She it was New Year's Eve. She was born in 1922, and she missed being. De- 2022. Know, 2022. She missed it by one day, so it's 1922 to 2021. But yeah, sweet Betty White. Um, and, and then this is another little. 
we really are on the Bible line, and this is a little bit of a trivia <laughs> that's not <laughs> quite right, related, right. but somewhat because it has to do with the calendar year. So then we were thinking, so does this mean that we have completed 2022 years since, since Jesus. Jesus, or does this mean that we are going into our 2022 year? And we did a little research, and there was no zero A.D. It went straight from whatever the last was BC, BC into 1 AD. So 1 at the end of 1 was 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 truly uh, going into 2 <laughs> <laughs> after 1 and when you did Folks, if you could see the gesturing going on right now uh, on radio, Stacy is really working at this. This is, this is, this is important. Um, <laughs> of course. And so are we, we are actually, though, working on our 2022nd year is the, is the conclusion. So we have not completed 2022. We are going into 2022, whereas for your age, whatever age you are, you have actually completed that many years. That was a, that was a big question when uh, – when uh, Y2K happened, is 2000 right. the first year of the new cent right. century, or is is one right. the first? Right. And so, <laughs> right. Yes, I think you are correct. Yes. I think what you said uh, makes that's sense. That's funny. <laughs> that, I was born yeah. in the year one. <laughs> that's one. funny. Isn't There's it? a movie called Year One. Yeah. <laughs> my old, my former boss so produced it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't say. I, I won't say the man is old, but his social security number is 16. <laughs> it's something like that, right? That that would mean, never mind. <laughs> the, the blank looks I'm getting in the studio uh, mean that we need to change right. the tub subject. Happy New Year, though. Happy New Year. Happy yes, New Year what? To everybody. Yes, by the way, Happy New Year 2022. I hope everyone had a great one. This turned out yeah. to be a very good Christmas. Uh, I, very happy, very delightful. It seems to, to me, at least me and my little, my little tribe, uh, we had a good one. I hope you did too, and you and your family. If you want to tell us anything about it, you can call us in the next ninety minutes of the Bible Live broadcast. Our phone number is two ten three four zero ninety five eighty five. If you'd like to tell us a little bit about your uh, Christmas and your New Year, we'd be glad to hear about it. it it's kind of been a I think a lot of people are glad to see 2021 in the rearview mirror now. It a, it's it's good to have year. it over with. It's a tough year. Yeah. It was, you know, so much confusion and chaos and, you know, two steps forward, three steps yeah. backwards. You know, it, it just. So uh, anyway, we're into a brand new year. Let's see what 2022 is going to bring us. Um, and. Uh, We'll we'll move forward. Yeah, we are in the we book of we finished up the book of Leviticus mm -hmm. in December, and just in time for Christmas, as happens every year, we turned to the first book of the New Testament, the first of the four Gospels, the Gospel of Matthew, and we have been there just uh, shortly, just days before Christmas, we turned to Matthew, uh, because it, there we turned to the life, the birth of. The Messiah, the birth of Jesus of Nazareth, and uh, we have been reading Matthew now all these times as well. Now, uh, we read almost all exclusively, actually, this past week, we read ch from chapter 10 of the Gospel of Matthew to chapter 26. We have one more reading 
to finish up the Gospel of Matthew. We'll do that tomorrow night, Monday evening. And uh, then we will move back to the Hebrew Scriptures, back to the Tanakh, and we'll pick up there with Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, Mm -hmm. the books of Numbers and Deuteronomy. And then we'll come back to the New Testament and pick up with the second book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Mark. So that's the way we roll. That's the way we do it down here in South Texas. We're moving progressively through the Old and New Testaments, just alternating back and forth between them as we move through them. Every year, this is our, we are in our, well, maybe I should, let me see, we started in 2021, so this is our 21st year, right? We started in 2000, you mean? 2001. 2001, right, so this is, yeah. Our 21st year of reading through the Bible every year. And you can go, you can make that journey with us. All you have to do is go to thebiblelive.com, thebiblelive.com or biblelive.com. If you leave the word the off, it'll be okay. We got, we went ahead and got both of those uh, domain names, those URLs. So go to thebiblelive.com and uh, you will find on that opening page, Uh, The readings for this coming week, like I said, uh, this coming week we'll finish up the Gospel of Matthew tomorrow, and then we go back to the book of Numbers on Tuesday, Numbers, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So uh, you can go and and listen to the Scriptures in your car, uh, on your smartphone, whatever device you use to uh, get on the Internet, you can go and hear the Scriptures, the entire Bible, every Word, every verse, every chapter, every book of the Bible, every year here on The Bible Live. And you hear the Bible itself. It's not our focus and our emphasis. It's much more important that you hear the Bible itself, what it says, than you hear what Sophie or Susan or Stacy <laughs> or the Dollar Family, what any of us might think about the Bible. The most important is that you hear the Bible itself. And let God speak to your heart and your thoughts and let the Spirit of God enlighten you and and build you as you listen to the Scriptures themselves. And then, of course, we, we share and we share some of the insights we've gained over time and uh, some of the things that we feel like we've been learning. And we were opening our phone lines so that you can as well uh, share some of the things that God has shown you, some of the impressions you have gained from this book of books. So there we go, 210-340-9585. We read chapters 10 through 26 of Matthew. Let's review Matthew for our listeners. Stacy. the Gospel of Matthew, what is unique about it? What is uh, what generally, what should people sure. expect as they read the Gospel of Matthew? Right, so it's written by Matthew, mm-hmm. uh, who was the tax collector, uh, who was Jewish, that Jesus called out. Um, to follow him, and he did. He uh, he was also called Levi. Was another name. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess his Jewish mm-hmm. name was Levi, mm-hmm. which, I, which I assume means he was from the tribe of the Levites. That would make I'm sense. guessing, mm-hmm. uh, which is I, I find kind of interesting. If any of our listeners watch, there's a there's a series that has come out called The Chosen. Uh, and you can go to thechosen.com or something like that, and you can get the app and so on. And it, but Matthew is a very interesting character. They they <laughs> treat each of the disciples, uh, Matthew and Peter and James and John and so on. Uh, the, the chosen, it's about 
Jesus in the process of beginning his ministry, in the process of choosing the chosen, his disciples. And it's very, very interesting. They put flesh on the bones of what we know about these individuals. Uh, and they do it very, very entertaining, and very, but very, very God-honoring, very Christ-centered and Christ-honoring uh, series as well. You might enjoy it. It's called The Chosen. But anyway, Matthew is very interestingly uh, depicted in that series, uh, The Chosen. Uh, and, yeah, and so, and he was, so Jewish, he, um, his emphasis is largely, uh, I think for me, the um, unique writing, the unique, um, I guess, perspective that Matthew brings is that he is definitely Jewish. I mean, and he mm-hmm. seemingly, I mean, from the tribe of Levi, he probably would have taken some pride in that. I mean, Levi is the priests and mm-hmm. such. Um, but he was a tax collector, which also meant that he was probably pretty rejected by um, his own people. And so he might have, while he felt loyalty and, of course, appreciation for his people, known what it was to be an outsider. Um, and so in that way, maybe he had a particular um, bond even with, with Jesus. Jesus feeling like he was Jewish and yet not wholly embraced necessarily by his own people, kind of that insider-outsider um, position. So anyway, Matthew writes very much from a Jewish perspective, but also um, includes and is very welcoming of Gentiles, and I think he writes a very fine line, and he navigates that very well. Um, he emphasizes the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, um, of he- uh, the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. That's right. I think that term's used 33 times in Matthew's writing, um, and then his emphasis on the kingship of Jesus, the King Jesus, and uh, I think those are probably the things he's most known for. He, um, I think they say he took a lot of his source material is from. The Gospel of Mark, I think that they say, um, which would have been typical. They would have maybe read each other's works and, uh, you know, different mm-hmm. things might have jogged different memories and mm-hmm. um, that they might have had different, you know, perspective. But he... Uh, different perspective and per- perhaps a different um, goal. None of these, mm-hmm. none of the Gospels were purely just biographies you know uh, in other words they mm-hmm. they maintained their own unique pr- they're more like portraits than 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 actual uh, historic in the sense of a, a biographer because they weren't just reporting facts and details putting down dates times and places they they each of them were presenting uh their understanding and their reason uh for considering Jesus of Nazareth to have been the long-awaited, predicted, and promised Messiah of Israel. And they were believers. They, they each of them uh, committed followers of Jesus of Nazareth. And they wrote with the idea of convincing or drawing or at least inviting others to become part of the people of God by faith and trust in the Messiah and the work of the redemptive work that the Messiah had come to carry out. So uh, they they weren't just pure historians in that sense. They they wrote history historians, and they they each had their unique perspective, their unique uh, view of the different events, of the different characteristics of Jesus' life. Mm-hmm. And uh, they in Matthew, of course, 
with that Jewish perspective, presenting Jesus the king, king of the Jews, king of, of the people of God. Uh, and uh, and he, appeal, his, he, he quotes from Scripture many, many times. Uh, he mm -hmm. quotes Old Testament prophecies and predictions about the Messiah. Uh, Jesus, uh, Moses, uh, I'm sorry, Jesus, Moses, I'll go through the whole list here, I guess. <laughs> Matthew uh, lists a great number of the Messianic prophecies mm -hmm. in his uh, gospel uh, because he, that's part of what he's, to the people of Israel, he's inviting them, look and behold, see, this is our Messiah. The Messiah mm -hmm. has come. And, and uh, so he brings that out. Anything else about Matthew? I've, I've heard that, uh, that the thought of, of the chosen, for example, was that, he may have come from money, from money, either either inherited or that he had wealth because of his work on behalf of the Roman Empire uh, as a tax collector. Tax collectors, as we see in the Gospels, were notoriously, um, were notorious because of their, uh, not cheating, but they, they, you know, they, they gained money as well from the taxes that they took from folks. And so they... Uh, had the idea that they they were wealthy, <laughs> and so um, you know that that Maybe. is a thought yeah. about Matthew that he may have come from money or had money. Mm -hmm. Matthew is unique in his genealogy. So Matthew and Luke both mm -hmm. have genealogies. Luke's recorded Mary's side. Matthew it is said would have recorded Joseph's side. Matthew is the one that includes the women. In, um, well, Matthew goes back to Matthew goes back to Abraham. Abraham right? and Luke, who whose emphasis is on the humanity, yes. traces all the way back to Adam in mm -hmm. the garden. Mm -hmm. uh, but Matthew included Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and um, and Bathsheba, and so which is and, and Mary. <laughs> well, and Mary, yes. <laughs> so the way, but uh, so that was a unique. Mm -hmm. um, you know, perspective and something Matthew contributed. And then, of course, there's the Sermon on the Mount that Matthew, so these would have, we covered this all last uh -huh. week. Uh -huh. um, and so now we're to chapter 10. The Sermon on the Mount, let me just say one other thing sure. about it because I, I find it so encouraging. Uh, a wonderful a Jewish friend of mine once uh, read the New Testament and commented that when he read the Sermon on the Mount, he immediately saw what it was and what Jesus was doing. And I said, well, what is that, Jacob? What, what was Jesus doing there? He said, don't you know? He said, back in the, in the book of Leviticus and back in the, the books of the Old Testament, the king of Israel was charged with the responsibility to every seven years to read or teach the uh, commandments of God uh, to the people of, to the people so th that was they were supposed to do that uh, and we see it, it didn't they, they did not do that regularly and faithfully but for example we see Josiah young Josiah read the scriptures to the people uh -huh. and taught uh, and he said this was Jesus as king presenting himself as king of the Jews this was a messianic claim this was a uh, him teaching oh, the Pentateuch right. teaching the the laws of, of God the commandments to the people this was the king doing what he was supposed to do mm. and I, I, I thought oh. wow that is a beautiful that is neat. and, and uh, it would take I think a, a, 
a, a, a poor Gentile like myself, I would not <laughs> have known that. But it took someone who understood that mm-hmm. in those passages and the mandates that were on the king of uh, of the of God's people was to do that. And, and so there we go. There, That's the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. Just another uh, unique take on it. Uh, but we're going to go. We went through those a little bit last week. We introduced the book of Matthew. Tonight, though, we're going to start with chapter 10. And we're we're going to comment a little bit about uh, John the Baptist. We're going to comment a, a number of things. One of the great significant um, characteristics of Matthew's Gospels uh, are the parables. Mm. He, uh, in, in fact, Matthew even clearly it's in the Gospel of Matthew that we show that in in chapter seventy eight of the Psalms, uh, we he says. Jesus taught the people in prophecies. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, in parables, and and in um, and that was prophesied. Yeah, and that written. was prophesied in Matthew 13. It says that that was predicted in Psalm 78. Uh, God says He will speak to the people in parables, and so this is a characteristic of Jesus' ministry. It was it was asked of him, his own disciples. Asked him one time, "Why do you speak to us in parables and not just saying things out clearly?" Mm-hmm. And you know, we'll, we can speak to that in a moment. But we're going to ask you questions tonight about a, m- a number of these parables, uh, what they meant, and uh, and perhaps maybe you could uh, call in and give us a call and say, oh, th- "My favorite parable of all the parables that Jesus told this, I like this one best. <laughs> what, this story that he told." And if you'd like to do that, again, our phone number is 210-340-9585. 210-340-9585. And you could answer any of these questions about some of the prophecies that we'll put out there before you. And you could also tell us what is your favorite uh, parable that Jesus told. Or maybe you just have a question or a comment about the Gospel of Matthew, something you've read or seen that that you'd like to share or a question you'd like to ask. We'd love to hear from you. You are welcome to be a part of the program, The Bible Live, by calling 210-340-9585. Now, Stacy, do you want to uh, put a parable out there or a question or a comment or a thought? What would you like to do? We've got just a couple of minutes before we take our first break. Oh, sure. Okay, well, I guess going into this is a... um Okay, so from Matthew chapter 12, verse 31. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is a, a very, uh, to me, a thought-provoking. There was a statement, and this is something that we can think about. According to, according to Jesus, what is the only sin that cannot be forgiven? You mean there's a sin that cannot be forgiven? Yes. I thought God right? could forgive anything. Right. Well. But there's one, he says, that will not be forgiven. Yes. So Matthew 12, 31 and that's is, just is, a good one, too. Good, you're not going to give us the answer. You're just going to ask the no, question right now. No, just going to ask huh? the question right okay. now and maybe something to think about. And then, uh, yeah, we can talk more about that. What is um, the only the sin, segment. according to Jesus, what is the only sin that cannot be forgiven? And the answer is found in Matthew chapter 12, verse 31. Mm-hmm. I, I want to mention, by the way, if you go to our website, thebiblelive.com, which I already mentioned, you'll not only find the readings for every day this coming week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, uh, that's our reading program, but you'll also find the questions that uh, that are based on all of those readings. So the, all of the questions we're asking you tonight, they're on that website and with the answer. 
So if you want to go there, you can you can get it and get a little bit of a heads up uh, advantage to know the answer to these questions. But they're written there as a as a teaching uh, mechanism that you can as you listen to the scriptures and then you can use those questions as a way to kind of review what we've read and you know, pick up some some of the high points and uh, ask some of the important questions mm-hmm. based on those passages of scripture. So it's all there at thebiblelive.com. Yes, I want to do. Uh, I want to ask just one more question okay. too, um, because I also think this is interesting. Um, when Jesus, let me call it sick. But when Jesus tested my faith by comparing me to a dog, ooh, ooh I yeah, passed, this is a this is a, a favorite story for a lot of people. Yeah, well, it's it's sweet and it's it's yeah. So uh, when Jesus tested my faith by comparing me to a dog, I passed the test and he healed my daughter. Who am I? And so this is in Matthew chapter 15, 21, verses 21 and 22. And, um, and what do you think, not only that, but just what do you think Jesus was, was doing there and, and why? A lot of people get pretty upset with the idea that Jesus called a, this woman a dog or seems to refer to her as a dog in the passage. And that may... I don't know. I've never really got upset about that all my life growing up. Well, I read that. I, it never, <laughs> it never bothered me. But then I can see how people now might be, well, it, did he really do that? Right. Maybe right. you have a thought about that. Where is it, where is it found? Uh, chapter 15? 21 and 22. Yep. Okay. Chapter 15, Well, there we have it. That's the end of our first segment. We'll come back and take your phone calls, 210-340-9585, and we'll continue our treatment and just consideration of many of the parables and the passages we find in the Gospel of Matthew. Don't go away. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Lift up your voice and sing. Say to the cities, good news is coming. Here comes your king. Prepare the way. Wide in the wilderness, make in the desert a broad highway. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Lay low the mountains, then together his love we shall see. Life is like grass. 
lovely as a flower, soon withers and it fades. Man, I haven't heard that in a long time. Surely the people <laughs> fade like a flower, but the word of the Lord, it stays. Prepare All right, we are back. This is the Bible Live. And that's a song that's from, one of my a blast from the favorites. past. One of mine too, really. You actually. need mom to come in though. She usually <laughs> comes right. in on that second verse. In Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah what forty. I believe that's taken from Isaiah chapter 40, yeah. if I remember correctly. And it's a great song there from the Hebrew Scriptures. Let me see if I'm getting it right. I'm going to remember it. <laughs> but it's also relevant to tonight's program because we're talking about the Gospel of Matthew. And we're talking about one of the things that was mentioned early on. Uh, yeah, listen, it's the voice of someone. Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make straight a highway through the wasteland. Fill in the valleys, level of the mountains and hills, straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. Life is like grass. Their beauty fades as quickly as the flowers in a field. The grass withers and the flowers fade. It's all right there. It's a beautiful song it right is. there from the from the book of uh, Isaiah chapter 40. And it's relevant to our reading from Matthew because Matthew also introduces uh, an individual, a rather unusual individual in the time of Jesus. It was his second cousin, actually. We know him as John John the Baptizer. And he was one who was predicted in Malachi chapter 4. Uh, it is predicted that before the Messiah comes, there would be a prophet like with the spirit of Elijah uh, who would come and prepare the way uh, for the, the coming of the Messiah. For <laughs> the king, that's exactly right. And so we have early in the Gospel of Matthew, we see uh, in chapters um, 11, in chapter 11 and 12 there, I think both those chapters at least, or at least 11, John the Baptist is mentioned. Uh, he fulfilled the prophecy that God would send me as a forerunner to the, uh, send him as a forerunner to the Messiah. And uh he says, who am I? And that would be Elijah. It's found in Malachi chapter 3 and chapter 4 that a prophet would come in the spirit of Elijah. Now, why is John the Baptist, uh, we could either put this out for the people to answer the question. Uh, uh, we've already got two questions out there for you to call in if you'd like. One is, what is the, uh, Jesus speaks of a sin that cannot be forgiven believe it or not that's amazing there there is a sin that god will not forgive and we want you to give us a call it's found in chapter 12 verse 31 of the gospel of matthew what is the sin that cannot be forgiven I interestingly uh and then we have another question called uh about this um this woman right yes and that was that was your answer to me when I said, I've never really been bothered by that. And you said, well, you're not a woman. <laughs> so maybe that's a reason for it. Uh, when Jesus tested my faith by comparing me to a dog, I passed the test and he healed my daughter. Who am I? Maybe a hint could be, maybe also another reason here is that the woman doesn't seem to be too bothered by it. Uh, so evidently maybe not. Were, she didn't get, maybe that's why I didn't get so shook up about it. But a lot of people are. Uh, as I Googled that question, uh, and through the years, I've a lot of people are quite disturbed by the idea that Jesus 
refers to this woman or seems to refer to her as a dog. And I have, I have read a number of different opinions and perspectives on that passage about what was a common thing that Jewish people referred to Gentiles as dogs Uh and this, that, and the over and over. I think we've given it away, but but did we? (laughs) Well, sorry. Did I just give away the answer? I think we did, but that's okay. Oh, Sophie, bite your tongue. But anyway, we, I was getting, I wasn't even really even talking about that. I was talking about uh, why is John the baptizer, uh, why is he said... Um, to be like Elijah. Like Elijah, yes. Yeah. That was my question. Hey, do you want to ask the folks or do I ask you? That's a good one for the fo- for the folks. For I, the folks, okay. Yes, I like that one. Why? In what way was John the baptizer, or as my Baptist friends tell me, John the Baptist, they, <laughs> as, as distinct from John the Methodist or the uh, Assemblies of God, you know, John? <laughs> what? John the Episcopalian. <laughs> John the Episcopalian. He's right here with us, right? <laughs> um, in, in in what way was John the baptizer? like Elijah. Elijah. <laughs> All right. If you'd like to give us a call about it, you certainly can. 210-340-9585. Now, mm, where do we go from there until someone gives us a call? Stacey, was there something you wanted to mention? Did you want to talk about either answer one of those or, or talk about something else? Um, let's see. I think we were going to um, talk. Well, well, should we... I think we're going to talk a little bit more maybe about the parables. Um, I think you had uh, Yeah, said. in Psalm 78 is that passage. It says that uh, God will speak in parables. Right. Uh, it was also, at, Jesus was asked, I forget where it was. I'm not sure if it's in the Gospel of Matthew. I think it was in Luke, if I'm not mistaken, but I'm not sure. The, the disciples themselves one time at one time Ask Jesus, why do you speak to us in parables? Why don't you just say things out clearly? Uh, and he says, well, it's given to you to understand. And and so he's, it's, it was a question of making people responsible mm-hmm. for what they heard him say. Mm-hmm. And I, I've always thought that was quite an interesting perspective. Jesus was saying, for for you who know me, for you who are children of God, you know God's word, you know, you get it. You will understand and get it, which is, is a little bit, I think Jesus was giving them a little more, <laughs> uh, you know. Benefit of doubt. A, a benefit of the doubt there because a lot of times they didn't get it. But he said he he didn't want to make other people responsible for something necessarily. So because if they got it and they understood it and they heard it, then they become spiritually responsible for their mm-hmm. response to it, which, mm-hmm. which I thought was a very interesting perspective. If if, if that indeed was the the interpretation is correct in giving that, but Jesus indeed did speak in parables. It was a characteristic of his teaching, uh, and and we're told in the Gospel of Matthew that it was indeed, uh, partially at least, it was a, it was because he was fulfilling. The predictions about the, the how the Messiah would teach um, using parables, mm-hmm. so that that's in there. Um, I, I think we're going to have to answer at least one of these questions, Stacey. But <laughs> well, no one's calling. In answering one, let's throw out one more. And this one's kind of a fun, I don't know if a fun. Okay. It's just fun. We are James, Joseph, 
Simon, and Judas. Can you name our famous half-brother? So that's, that's fun. That is rather fascinating. We are, what are they, who are we again? We are James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. Who is our half-brother? James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. Judas. Mm-hmm. Who is our famous half-brother? Mm-hmm. Okay, you can give us a call if you'd like, 210-340-9585. What question was that, Stace? I'm sorry. That is question 15, and it's in um, chapter 13, verse 56, if yes, you are okay. looking it up. Chapter 13, good. Well, there we have it. Let's take one of our questions and answer it and give folks a chance. What about this one about the only sin that cannot be forgiven? Okay. Yes, it's found in Matthew chapter 12. 12. And get, get, do you know the background of the story? Let's see. This was the, what are we in? Jesus himself is the one who says it. He says that all right. sin yeah. all sin can be forgiven. God can forgive all sin. And that's, mm-hmm. that in itself is an amazing thought that even the most wicked, most terrible potentially can be forgiven. Mm-hmm. God is a forgiving God. But then he goes on to say, equally fascinating is that there is one sin, only one, that cannot be forgiven. And we, our question out there was, what is the sin that cannot be forgiven? And as it turns out, it's in, found in Matthew chapter 12, verse 31. As it turns out, it, it's a sin that is called blasphemy, against the Holy Spirit, which then you ask, well, okay, then what is the blasphemy? What is that? What is this sin that cannot be forgiven? Uh, All sin can be forgiven except this one um, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Um, And and I'll read it. So, uh, Which is also interesting. (laughs) Every verse is interesting, right? Jesus says here, anyone who isn't with me is against me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. He is he who isn't with me opposes me. Anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. And I've often asked people, what did Jesus say? Anyone who isn't with me is against me or any, anyone who is not against me is with me. <laughs> Can you? Well, one more time. <laughs> okay. Which did Jesus say? Anyone who isn't with me is against me, or did he say anyone who is not against me is with me? Both. I'm going to go with Will's answer. <laughs> In the voice of like your eight grandson, eight-year-old <laughs> boy, he always when when he is given a choice between two, he always usually goes, "You want vanilla or you want strawberry?" Both. <laughs> so you know. But you're exactly right. Jesus, in fact, did say both things. But in this passage in Matthew, he says, anyone who isn't with me is against me. Anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never, which will never be forgiven. Uh, anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who speak, speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven either in this world or in the world to come. You know, I don't know of a more serious warning. Jesus really yeah, seemed to get yeah. serious in this moment about this. Uh, and and uh, 
the, it comes out because he's doing miracles. He is, he is uh, a demon-possessed man, presents himself uh, before Jesus. He was blind, couldn't speak, he brought to Jesus. And Jesus healed him, so that it cast out the demon and uh, healed him so that he could both speak and see. And the crowd was amazed. And But the Pharisees heard about this miracle and said, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. And then it is in that context that Jesus says that anyone who, any sin can be forgiven, but uh, any um, any sin uh against the Holy Spirit cannot be forgiven. This is also, by the way, where that famous saying that is attributed quite often to Abraham Lincoln, it says a king, uh, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Uh, this is also where Jesus, Jesus actually is the author of that saying. Um, it, and if Satan is casting out Satan, he is divided and fighting against himself and, and a, such a kingdom will not survive. Uh, and so the point it is, it comes down to is what is this sin that cannot be forgiven, and why can it not be forgiven? What do you you have a thought on that? Stacey? Well, I think tradition. I think it is seen as it's a rejection of the work of the Holy Spirit. So it's a rejection of the calling on each individual, um, each calling so uh or, or the good news the gospel message mm-hmm. on the heart of each person given by the conviction of the holy spirit and jesus so, tells us in the gospel of john that the holy spirit is the agent mm-hmm. of the new birth mm-hmm. it is it is the holy spirit who draws us to god and shows us our need of a savior mm-hmm. uh, and so he is the one who draws and uh, <clears throat> he convinces us of our sin of our need for a savior and and of the consequences, right. sin, righteousness, and judgment, we're told. So the Holy Spirit is the one who calls us to repent. Now, it, there's a couple of fine points to this particular verse as well. So if the Holy Spirit call, is the one who calls us to salvation and we reject the work of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. we're rejecting salvation. Right. So therefore, we're rejecting the very forgiveness that is being offered. That That's essentially... The only sin that cannot be forgiven is rejecting forgiveness. the forgiveness <laughs> right. that you that yeah. is offered to us yeah. through uh, through the gospel and and through the work of the Holy Spirit. So it makes sense in, in a logical sense to us uh, there that that the work of the Holy Spirit is uh, the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is the the unforgivable sin. Now this is not the same thing as a sin unto death. In case some of you might be confused. The, in the book of First John, the epistle, mm-hmm. chapter 5, it talks about a sin that is unto death. Uh, this, that is not talking about spiritual death or judgment. That's talking about physical death. And there is a sin unto death. And that is not the unforgivable sin. It's a sin when a believer, one who is a follower after God, but gets locked into sin and is so locked into it that he, and he, mm-hmm. and he's corrected he, the, God speaks to his heart. The Holy Spirit works to draw him back, but he keeps rejecting the correction right. of the Holy Spirit, and that he is warned in that passage that eventually God may actually just take your life yeah. and take you, mm. uh, your bad testimony, your bad witness, your mm-hmm. bad influence, and take you on to heaven. Uh, and so, the, the sin unto death mm. is the constant, continual yeah. rejection of God's correction on our life 
as a believer. Right. In the gospel there, you can, it's clear that John is addressing believers, followers already of Jesus, hmm. and saying, if th- so that's the sin unto death. This, though, is the unforgivable sin that, that is to reject the work of the Holy Spirit. And it also has another application, Stace, that's important, I think, for us to hear. <coughs> and that is that, and, and I don't want to make too fine a point of it, but it also comes out in one of the parables that we'll read about tonight, is that people are responsible someday in judgment when we appear before the judgment seat of God and the sheep are separated from the goats. Mm-hmm. You know, in other words, it's, we find out who goes, you know, put it in the, in the popular jargon, who goes to heaven, who goes to hell. Um, it's not going to be necessarily on the basis of what Soapy Dollar said. Uh, or Billy Graham. You heard Billy Graham preaching, so you're therefore, what you're going to be held responsible for, what we right. are going to be held responsible for, is what God has yeah. spoken to us. Yeah. Uh, and now, that may be sometimes one and the same thing. God may use Billy Graham right. or, uh, or Soapy Dollar or any of your, 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 your Christian <laughs> brother-in-law or your pastor or yeah. your, your next-door neighbor or someone right. or a... a a gospel uh, print in print that you right. a gospel tract that you pick up somewhere, and you read. God may actually use that. The Holy Spirit may speak to your heart through that person or that individual or that voice on the radio or that song. You know, so many ways that God spe- can speak to us, but that's what we'll be held responsible for. Right. What what God by His Spirit has spoken to us, and and I. I think we, we've got to be careful about just assuming that just because I said it or someone said it or they heard the radio program, that that in itself means that they're responsible. But it's a fine point, but I, I think it's important to know that when we stand before God's judgment, God will be able to show us exactly, no, I spoke to your heart. Mm-hmm. I showed you. I draw. I, I called you. I was drawing you. Mm-hmm. And you know that I yeah. was calling you. Yeah. And and that's the basis of of his judgment on our lives, uh, right. his authority, and, and of course that his omniscience there to know when he spoke to us mm-hmm. and, and to remind us of that for sure. I, I don't know if that was worth saying, but it's it's a fine point that comes from this aspect of of the unforgivable sin, the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. When God speaks to your heart, answer, answer. It's important that you answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if it's just soapy dollar or some guy, but if God's calling you, and, and you ignore that, yeah. there's and, responsibility. And what's fascinating in this passage is that they are wanting to, I mean, specifically in um, Matthew 12, they're not only. It's not that they are claiming they didn't hear anything or mm-hmm. that they didn't see anything. They actually want to attribute that to the work of Satan, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just. Um, how, how, yeah. how, how twisted in, in, a, in a lot of ways. I mean, um, Instead of celebrating that this poor demon-possessed man is, yeah. is freed from that demon uh, control over his life and was, was given his eyesight and, and could speak again, instead of celebrating, right. wow, this wonderful thing, they were so intent on condemning Jesus. and That they were wanting to mm. attribute this uh, to the work of Satan. And it, it does make you feel a little bit more, you know, that verse that says that Jesus, or that 
that there will be some that say, Lord, Lord, and then Lord will respond, yeah. I never knew you. Yeah. Um, it That just shows how much you're attributing this great miracle, this wonderful work, this life-saving thing to you clearly do not know your Messiah. You do not know your God. You do not know mm-hmm. uh, the love that you know I clearly have for my people. And um, and I think that that's an important an an important thing. And of course, in recognizing God's voice and recognizing who the Spirit is and who and what His voice is, you know, read Scripture throughout. Jesus's ministry was one of healing, compassion, over and over, mercy, of of inclusion of with tax collectors and with uh, mm, yeah and and so you know recognizing up and outers and down and outers yes, yeah, as um, my friend right. franklin used to say oh that's neat um mm. and so anyway just the importance of um of knowing of of the character of god and who he is and what his voice will sound like jesus ends up that passage in chapter 12 to these uh, Pharisees, to these religious leaders who are uh, attacking and rejecting the, the, the calling and the work of the Holy Spirit, he ends up that passage saying, a tree is identified by its fruit. Mm-hmm. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes. Yeah. How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what, for whatever for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Very powerful statement, which also brings us to another question. Uh, uh, Jesus obviously was a very clear speaking person. He he didn't mince words. He was very kind. Obviously, we see many, many occasions right. of kindness and gentle spirit and, and patience and, and very things that we celebrate and admire greatly. But at the same time, he was capable of confronting evil and wickedness and confront even in the powerful. Uh-huh. Uh, those in authority that courageously, uh, you know, like the prophets of old, he didn't mind putting his bony finger in their faces and <laughs> saying, you messed up, you. And, and he says, uh, you brood of snakes mm. and also often spoke very clearly. Now, that brings us, me at least in my mind, to another statement that you mentioned before, uh, another question that you put out there. And by the way, folks, we have some questions. If you'd like to give us a call, you can call and answer them. Or at the same time, you can call with some of your comments and thoughts about the parables that Jesus told. What is your favorite parable? Uh, Or you may have a question from the book of Matthew or even from the Bible in general. We'd love to hear from you. That's what this program is all about, the Bible, all things biblical, God's Word, this book of books. But when tested, you asked the question earlier, Stacey, when Jesus tested my faith by comparing me to a dog, it says, I passed the test, and he healed my daughter. Who am I? When we come back from this break, I want you to talk, answer that question and talk a little bit about this woman. I already gave that away a while ago. 
whose faith was tested. And the reason I want to bring it up in this context is because this whole idea of being a straight-talking person, Jesus talks to her in a very straight, direct way right, that right. some people wonder, why would Jesus ever talk to someone like that? Right. So uh, we'll talk about it when we get back from this break. Uh, you're listening to The Bible Live, and uh, we'll be talking about uh, Matthew chapter 15 when we come back. So don't you dare go away. Come back and uh, listen and call in as well. 210-340-9585. We'll see you in just a moment. In about tonight. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Maybe midnight or midday Never early, never late He gon' stand by what he claimed Lived enough life to say You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. again like I often do, but John is here to take me out of the fire and get me back on the right track. Welcome back, everybody. Our final segment. Can you believe it went by so fast tonight, Stace? Yeah. Uh, we're coming back to talk about the Gospel of Matthew here on the Bible Live, and uh, we have asked the question about a person, Jesus tested my faith by comparing me to a dog. I passed the test, and he healed my daughter. All right, Stacy. Um, maybe since you're giving us that female perspective <laughs> of the story and all, the, maybe you can tell us about yeah. what's the background of this, uh, and and what happened. And so he leaves Galilee. Mm -hmm. He leaves Galilee. Up to Tyre and Sidon. 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 Over I, toward the uh, mm -hmm. uh, go northwest. Toward the Mediterranean, uh, Tyre and Sidon, and uh, so a place, it was called Phoenicia, had different names. A Canaanite but he, woman. He meets this Canaanite woman. Canaanite is not in itself a specific um, uh, ethnicity. The, the, among the peoples of Canaan, they lived, they, there were a number of people, the Perizzites, uh, this one, and the Ites, and the Ites, and the Ites, and so on. But this is a, a Canaanite woman, a non-Jewish person. He meets her, and uh, so he's out out of the out of the Jewish yeah. bubble. Yeah. He's out, of, and he meets this Gentile woman, mm -hmm. 
It says here that, that Matthew would have been using the ar- an archaic expression that would have meant like a pagan woman. So, it, I mean, for all intents and purposes, she doesn't know of the Messiah necessarily. She's mm-hmm. not looking. She's she's just this woman. Um, and she... But she must have definitely heard something, heard something about sure. this something miracle about worker. Name, this, yeah, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she lived there. She comes to Jesus pleading... Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She is bothering us with all of her begging. Then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. But she came and worshipped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. Jesus responded, It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. Uh, Ouch. (laughs) Mm, mm -hmm. She replied, That's true, Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. And and I love this. Dear woman, (laughs) Jesus said to her, Your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. Um and so I, I th- the the thing that to I think the w- one I mean, I mean just what a woman <laughs> I just yeah. what a sweet I I I just and and then Jesus's heart I mean just to see uh, it's kind of the um, oh it reminds me of another it reminds me of just oh you know you you got me I how could I how can I deny that you know any parent maybe with a child or any kind of any that that shows that humility and that just just you know of course i'm gonna i'll do any whatever yes of course I'll it do reminds it. me of <laughs> in the chronicles of narnia it reminds Reba me of Chief. aslan yes. responding to reaper chief one it time is. that's exactly what it is yes <laughs> oh. yes <laughs> he goes uh because uh reaper chief gets his tail got yes. cut off and, and and, and Reaper Cheap comes and says, grow it back to Aslan. And Aslan says, says, I think you have too much pride in your tail. It would be good for you to not have it. And then all of the other mice draw their swords. And then what are you doing? And they say, well, it's too great an honor for us to have a tail and our leader to not have one. So for him, we're going to chop off all of our tails. And Aslan's like, oh, <laughs> don't do it. Okay, okay. Reaper Cheap, you get your tail back. Yeah, Not yeah. because of you, but because of the, the, lo- yes, the love the lo- that your people have mm-hmm. for you. Well, that's what we see here, I think. You know, let, let me just quickly add this before you go further on the story of this woman uh, who, whom Jesus evidently refers to as a dog. Uh, well, we can talk about that. Some people may be uh, kind of terrified or or off by that idea i never was for some reason but but look in chapter 15 juxtaposed with this story of this this dear woman who just mm-hmm. humbly and and gratefully receives a blessing from god and, and, and from the messiah it starts out talking about the pharisees and teachers of religious law uh uh Condemning Jesus for doing good and for healing people and for taking care of people, it, uh, and, and Jesus says, it, "It's uh, he condemns him. These people, and he quotes the scripture: these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach a man-made teach man-made ideas as commands from God." He quotes from Isaiah. Jesus does so. Juxtap- then you have this story of these these elite these these 
religious leaders who have the gospel, who have all this advantage, and then you cut now over to this to this Gentile Canaanite woman who doesn't have all of that, who doesn't have all of that understanding and that wealth of mm-hmm. of riches of, of 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 revelation that God has given them. So. And yet she comes humbly and broken, asking mm-hmm. the Messiah for for help at, to heal her daughter, and, and um, so that you know, you, if you see the story in the context here in the right. scriptures, it, it's interesting uh, to see it juxtaposed against his response to these religious right. leaders. Right. But go ahead, honey. You're talking about these. Well, and there's no necessarily real answer. I mean, in terms of what exactly Jesus was thinking or doing here. Um, but I think just knowing his character and getting to know him and how he functions and operates and the heart of Jesus, um, I think a couple of things that I've heard that, that to me make sense is, one, he's giving her an opportunity to show her faith. He's giving her an opportunity to, um, to you know, how you said when you're speaking in parables, it's kind of an opportunity for you to either have that revelation and to understand or to not be responsible for it. Mm-hmm. And so in a way, it's her out. You know, it's her... Uh, a little bit of a test of her faith, y- yes, her response. Right. And she shines. But it is interesting to know, uh, and I'm cutting back a little bit to the beginning of the whole thing, is uh, he left Galilee and went intentionally yeah. to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading. Now, this reminds me a little bit of the time he went to the little town of Sikar. He went through Samaria, mm-hmm. and, and the idea, it looks very intentionally because he meets this woman there that turns out that she's the key to reaching the whole city right. with the message of the gospel. Yeah. And, and here he leaves Galilee, actually, and, and of course there he did too is Samaria. He goes up to a whole different region, and he finds this Gentile woman, mm-hmm. and and. The, it, it, you know, if you see the work of the Father here, guiding the Messiah in His ministry, right. the, the Holy Spirit guide. That here was this woman that that somehow it was important that she meet the Messiah, that she know Him. And we, and we don't know all the rest of her story, how her life changed, what impact she had with the rest of her existence in life. Uh, someday in glory, her maybe daughter. we'll hear it all. And her, her daughter, daughter healing and so on. But it's a remarkable story in his compassion. Jesus uh, says, um, I was sent primarily to to present myself to the people of God, to the people of Israel, the, the ones prepared to receive the Messiah. And she says, uh, uh, Lord, help me. Isn't It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. The word dog there, and I've heard all kinds of explanations and different ones, but uh, it's a word, not a word for savage, filthy dog, but a uh, a word for domesticated pet or, or puppy mm-hmm. dog mm-hmm. And, and to the dog. And she says, uh, that's true, Lord, but even the dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall from their master's table. And, and wow, <laughs> you know, it just seems to melt his heart. Dear woman, Jesus said, your faith is great. And and so he, he grants her request. And it's not just a matter of getting her request. I, I think Jesus would probably have said, like as he said, in other instances, in other places, salvation has come to this home, to mm-hmm. this person. That there was, there was that brokenness, there was that that openness, that receptivity to to the Messiah that that uh, is is found in mm-hmm. almost everyone who comes to God. Right. Well, and genuinely. I, I think the other thing that I, the other kind of angle or the is that Jesus um, 
I mean, on, on, it shows the, both the great joy and the great new life and the joy that lays ahead for any follower of Christ. Ultimately, it is salvation and it is healing and it is, um, and it is beauty from ashes kind of thing. Uh, but it also, at least in this world and in this, er, in this time, it also, it, following Christ means taking up your cross. I mean, it's, it, it means there will be persecution. There will be sacrifice. There will be a denying of self. A, a there will be a, testing. There, there will be testing. There will be a humbling. Mm-hmm. There will be many moments of humiliation and of humility. Mm-hmm. And in a way, too, you know, Jesus kind of, in the way, in the way that he goes about this, I mean, being called a, a dog is the least of your <laughs> like that is the least of your troubles in terms of following Jesus, uh-huh. and in a way he's kind of getting you know, if, you know, are, are you sure you're prepared to follow me? Are you sure you're prepared to be insulted, to be isolated, to be? And she is, you know, you can call me whatever you want. You're Lord. <laughs> mm-hmm. I will. I will follow you. I will I just. And so there, there's another angle is that Jesus kind of gives Very an opportunity yeah. for her to understand that following him doesn't just, ne- you know, mean healing. Of course, that is the great ultimate. And, um, but it means sacrificing and denying yourself and being humble. And she, and she, but, but she couldn't be more humble and yeah. willing to take that yeah, up. Yeah. I um, don't remember when it was that we began to start getting offended about the idea of our sinfulness. I, 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 when I was growing up as a kid, uh, we openly confessed and knew that I'm a sinner. Oh I'm, yeah. I'm, and, and fact is, uh, the Bible talks that you know, that worms that we're wretches. We're you know. And, and fact is, if I don't, if I'm not mistaken, the original version of that great hymn, uh, uh, "Amazing Grace," how sweet the sound that saved a worm. I think mm-hmm. was what the original word that saved a worm like me. <laughs> I didn't think it could get worse. And then we, and then it got changed. <laughs> they softened it to wretch, a wretch <laughs> like me. That was softening <laughs> it. <laughs> that was softening it. But I, you know, and I remember. Those poor worms. So, I, I can't remember, but I remember the incident of the first time that I've heard someone get offended with the idea that, oh, I, I'm not a wretch. I'm not, you know. Uh-huh. And in my mind, I was saying, boy, I am. I don't know. Uh-huh. I, I, I know I messed up so many times. Yeah. That, you know, and and uh, so there, there's something about that. I guess maybe it's part of the political correctness of our, of our time and our era. But uh, I. I never really got upset at this passage. I never, you know, I never, oh, here, why is Jesus calling this woman a dog? You know, I mean, uh, but some people do. And I've heard different explanations that, well, it wasn't a dog. Like, uh, put, it was the idea of a, a puppy, uh, a, a pet, you know, a, a deer pet. I think, uh, that, others say I think that, that waters it down, though. I think Jesus said what he said. May well have been. I think it was, yeah. But now, I Jacob, uh, my Jewish friend, said that it had something to do with Old Testament uh, talking about the child may have been involved mm-hmm. in temple prostitution and so on. Mm-hmm. And there is a reference in Leviticus about the, the, that kind of mm-hmm. sexuality being like the animals, like a dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's kind of what it made him think of, which would have been a whole different kind of perspective and meaning as well. But 
I've read all of those, but I, I, I don't see any reason to get totally upset. And uh, here's a wonderful story of grace and goodness and gentleness. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, we had, was that our so last, that, okay. uh, was that our <laughs> other question? Or did uh, we have another We did have uh, another question. question. We had, we talked about John. We talked about this. We had, oh, oh you had a question about um, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas. Can you name our famous half-brother? You want to answer that for our listeners? Well, it is the one and only Jesus. <laughs> so Jesus' brothers' names were uh, James, Joseph, Simon, Judas, and Jesus. And we have uh, the God, uh, Judas, uh, that evidently is the author of the book Judas. And James, his half-brother, was the uh, leader of the church in, in uh, Jerusalem who became... he came to follow uh, his uh, mm -hmm. his half-brother. Okay, let's see here now. Let's, what well, other one thing that you kind of alluded to, um, which I thought was, um, which was which was great, was the, there's a parable of the talents. And yes. So that is in Matthew 25, and so Jesus talks about, uh, it's the parable of the talents, and in it, well, you had the question out there, of what do the talents of silver represent in this parable? Okay, L you, let's give people a few minutes. I would like to know if anyone can answer that question. In the parable of the talents, what do the talents of silver, they, they are, it, it's, it's not talents. It, it, it's, it's kind of unfortunate they have the word in English, talent, like, you know, I can play the piano, I can do a somersault, I can, uh, you know, I have talents, I have abilities, but that's not, this was a weight of silver. This was a quantity of silver, a great deal of silver actually, given to each one of these um, servants. Uh, so the parable of the talents, uh, what was it? We see um, there what were the talents yeah. five were given to one, uh, two to another, one to another. Uh, they were given different uh, talents, different quantity of money, weight of silver. And then the the uh, the owner left, and they they invested. They did what they could with the money that had been given. He comes back, and the two that had been given five and three or whatever it was, they they invested their money and made money. And he says, "Well done, thou good and faithful servant." And they are they are rewarded. But the one who had won buried his talent, uh, didn't do anything with it, and he is uh, relegated to outer darkness where there is wailing and gnashing of teeth. His, the talents are taken from him and given to those who had, and he is cast into outer darkness. So my question to our listeners for about three minutes, if you have an answer to hear, I'd like to hear what what is the talent? What does the talent represent, the talent? talents that represent that are given to these three different servants and, all the right? hint, and the hint really is in what the punishment was yeah. so the punishment is now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth so that's kind of the 210-340-9585 210-340-9585 what do the talents represent what is the that's the key to the the lesson that we should learn from the parable of 
the talents. And we're getting close to, so that is in Matthew 25. The end of our reading for this uh, week was Matthew 26. Mm-hmm. And I did, there was a, you had one question, among Jesus' followers, who was the only person, seemingly, who understood that he was going to die? And how did she show her grief? And you love that word, Jesus? she, don't you? Honey? I that's do. Good. Well, I thought that's also a little hint, to, yeah. but we'll go ahead and talk about it. How um, did she show her grief and love yes. for Jesus? This is actually quite interesting when you put again against the experience of, of, of um, I'm trying to think of uh, Peter. Right. Because Peter uh, was asked one time, who the, the disciples were asked, who do men say that I am? Some say that you're this one. Some say you're Elijah. Some say this. And then he says to the disciples, who do you say that I am? Good old Peter. And good old Peter pipes up. He's never... Hesitant, shy. never shy, <laughs> and he says, "Thou art the Christ, the uh, Son of the Messiah, the Son of the Living God." Blessed. <laughs> wow, Jesus way says, Peter. "Way to go, Peter! Good flesh and blood did not reveal to you this to you, but my Father in heaven. And blessed art thou, Simon, son of Waters." And so, I mean, he gets, and then, but very interestingly, it's just almost immediately after that uh, in our text. Uh, Jesus is telling them about the Messiah, who he is, and that he's going to go and suffer and die and be wrongly prosecuted and put to death. And and, and Peter's first, no, no, never, never. We'll never let that happen, you know. And then Jesus has to say, get behind me, Satan. So we've gone from the... <laughs> From ecstasy to agony, you know, from the top of the mountain down to the bottom. A yeah. student to a yeah. student. <laughs> but here we have this woman, these, this parable of these talents. Uh, um, I don't know how I saw those two together. but uh, In terms of, well, I know where you're going with okay. it, but without giving it away, then cut to Mary. The, oh, yeah, Mary. Yeah, Mary is one who she actually saw the answer to your question here is that it was Mary, the sister of Martha mm-hmm. and Lazarus and she anoints Jesus with costly perfume before yeah. before his agony before his suffering she comes and does that and and, and when questioned and she's you know why this is expensive perfume this could have been used for so many other things um, you could you could associate that maybe with talents right mm-hmm. maybe they think this is a waste that this isn't and Jesus says, no, no, she, she's preparing my she body for burial. She, she gets, gets it. it. She understands. She knows. And, wow. uh, and, I, and I, I thought that was, um, well, one, it, it's another woman. <laughs> Just uh-huh. going to throw that out there again <laughs> real quick. So wonderful. <laughs> we women, we, have, we, we understand these things. Um, no, but, and um, <laughs> and it, does, it does go to, we have two minutes left on the show, so I think it it does tie into then the answer of that parable and what the talents represent. Okay. And that is that it represents our revelation, our understanding what God has revealed to us about himself and what we we know of it. And so Mary had the, she, she knew she had this revelation and, and her responsibility to that was to, to, to show that to Jesus, to show him honor and to prepare his body to to be somber about the moment and about the dinner and it doesn't mean that you know those that didn't quite get it in that moment would be wailing and gnashing your teeth but 
if God has, and maybe this is kind of tying back to the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit too. Mm -hmm. If God, God has shown you has something, has shown you something of Himself, and greater, if He has given you the good news, the gospel, and you reject it, or you don't, you deny it, or you you don't, um, you you don't receive it, then you, and you don't cultivate it, you don't receive it as a gift, you don't do anything with it, then then that then that is the the gnashing of teeth that is the darkness that is the you have essentially you know a rejection of the holy spirit yeah. and so i you know just to kind of because it does seem like a lot of pressure sometimes in terms of oh, you need to a good piano player well you need to use it and that is true i mean yes use to glorify him he has given you gifts and absolutely uh use those to glorify him and to, but you won't be have wailing and gnashing of teeth if you yeah, don't no, no, to be the no, no. <laughs> but there is great reward if yes. we act on what God shows us Absolutely. of himself. Let's take that as a theme for this first program in 2022, and let's act on what God has shown us yes. and taught us in this coming year and see just what he does. Amen. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The, the Bible, Bible Live, Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.